Turn your Bible, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. The subject tonight, the storms are coming. Watch for the storms. Is there any word from the Lord? Watch for the storms. Is there any word for the Lord from the Lord? Into every life, some rain must fall. None of us is exempt from the storms. We were all shocked at Katrina when New Orleans was almost destroyed by the storm. And much of lower Mississippi and other areas in that part of our country. And then from time to time there are earthquakes out on the west coast. They say there's going to be a earthquake one day that'll possibly take some of those cities away. They remind us from time to time that we're on a fault over in West Kentucky. It goes from Illinois down toward Memphis over maybe to Little Rock. And one day there'll be a, a very noticeable earthquake there that will be felt here. There are storms all around us. I want to look at a little bit from Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians 4 when he talked about the storms that had come in his life. Everyone here has either already had severe storms or they're coming. Watch for the storms. In 1 Corinthians 4 beginning in verse 9, for I think that God hath set forth us, the apostles, last, as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world, and to angels, and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable but we are despised. When you keep in mind what Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor save in his own country and among his own people. Some of you have experienced that. The lady that helped win me to the Christ, Phyllis Sokol, asked me on a train going to Florida if I were a Christian. I had to say no and she wrote a letter to her the preacher in Louisville, and he came to see me when I got back. When she gave her heart to Christ, she was a Jewish lady. When she gave her heart to Christ, her family turned around. No more fellowship with her family. Why? She had become a Christian. I want to remind you, when you give your heart to Jesus and really mean it, and you're willing to live for Christ 100%, there'll be some that won't like you, even among your own family. They'll think you're strange. They think you're a cult. They think you're different, and you will be. Paul was writing to the Corinthian church. He had founded this church. He had spent 18 months there teaching them, loving them, 
And now he's gone and they're attacking his apostleship. So he says, we're fools for Christ's sake, but you're wise in Christ. We're weak, but you're strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised, even unto this present hour. And he lists at least 10 to 12 storms through which he's going. Even to this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted, have no certain dwelling place, labor, working, willing with our hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we suffer, being defamed, we entreat. We're made as the filth of the world and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. What he's saying, the same thing could come to you. The storms are coming. We need to be aware of that as Christians in 21st century America. We need to be aware of that as we face uncertain times ahead. I think everybody that has any kind of spiritual understanding was sorry to hear that the president signed an executive order the other day letting our tax money be used for abortions worldwide. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. But it's nothing new. We knew it was coming. When you voted him into office, you knew that was what he'd do because he said it. He said it ahead of time. He said a number of other things. Now that's a storm. Those that want abortions think it's wonderful. Those that want to take the little stem cells from little babies just born or unborn and try to fix up people who are older, they're glad. The contradictory thing is that it was just learned in the last year or so that they take stem cells from adults and use them just in the same healing process. So it's so unnecessary. Abortion is a cruel, cruel thing. And especially when a little baby is being born and the mother or daddy decide at the last minute they don't want that baby. And so as the baby begins to be born, they turn around, bring the head out first and take scissors and crush the brain of that little baby. You say that couldn't happen. It does happen. It has happened. And if you want to get up and leave on me, you can do it. I'm going to preach the word of God until God takes me home. I'm going to keep on preaching. Now, ladies and gentlemen, God hates sin and that's sin. That's a storm that's coming on America. A tragic storm. It's not the only one. There are other storms. We're facing those storms. If you don't like the preacher delving into things like that, read Jeremiah. They put him in prison for saying that. I may go to prison for saying that. 
Some of you in this room may want me to go to prison for saying that, but I'm going to say it until God takes me home. God hates sin. Now listen, the storms are coming. It may be a storm of illness. Every one of us have faced illness. Who dreamed a year ago that our precious Barbara Ballard would be taken down so quickly with cancer? The storm came to Wayne. The storm came to Jeffrey. The storm came to Jessica. The storm came to Zach. The storm is coming to you. The storm of illness. The storm of discouragement. Discouragement. You imagine the terrible heartache that comes when you get discouraged. The best tool the devil has is the tool of discouragement. If he can get us down and defeated and discouraged and worried to death, what can we do? Nothing. And our testimony goes down, our energy goes down, there's nothing to do. Everybody here would have to lift your hand. We have a discouraging time from time to time. The storm is coming. Facing the giants that come into our lives, whatever they are, maybe temptation, maybe lust. It may be wanting everybody's approval. That could be a giant that would hurt you. Many people want everybody's approval so much that they will compromise to get that approval. Home problems come. Disagreements between mother and dad. Disagreements between the children. Those are storms. They're huge storms. Worse than Katrina. For a man to walk out on a wife and say, I don't love you anymore. Or for a wife to walk out on a husband and say, I don't love you anymore. I want somebody else. That's a storm. What are you going to do when the storms come? Is there any word from the Lord? Financial struggles. We all have financial struggles. Our church has financial struggles. Our school has financial struggles. Many in this room have financial struggles. Our America, our wonderful nation America, has these struggles, financial struggles. And we're trying to bail ourselves out. I don't know whether it'll work or not. It'd be wonderful if we could bail everybody out. You ever wish you could be bailed out of your financial problems? That might happen. Well, There are misunderstandings that come in our lives. Misunderstandings, you think of that. Somebody that is your friend and you misunderstand them. And that causes a rift in friendship. Sometimes a rift between a husband and wife. Sometimes a rift between children. 
and then death itself. I wish I could announce that not everybody here is going to die. That may be true. The Lord's going to come back soon. I don't know when, I don't know the hour, the day. I'm looking for him almost any day now. It'd be wonderful if he'd come before midnight. Wouldn't it be good if we could all go up together? If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, you've never been saved, I would encourage you to trust Christ right where you sit right now because Jesus may come before the hour is over. And when he comes, those who are saved will be taken, those who are lost will be left. It could happen any moment, any hour. You read the Word of God. Keep your eyes on Israel, on the Middle East. That's a time clock. The storms are coming. But then, I want to ask this. Is there any word from the Lord? Turn your Bible to Jeremiah chapter 37. Jeremiah chapter 37. I'm going to read a few verses from that chapter, beginning in verse 1. And King Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, reigned instead of Coniah, the son of Joachim, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, made king in the land of Judah. But neither he nor his servants nor the people of the land did hearken unto the words of the Lord which he spake by the prophet Jeremiah. They wouldn't listen. And Zedekiah the king sent Jehushua, the son of Shalmiah, and Zephaniah, the son of Maasai, the priest to the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Pray now unto the Lord our God for us. Now Jeremiah came in and went out among the people, for they had not put him in prison. And so this passage talked about five prison terms that Jeremiah had. Verse 5, Then Pharaoh's army was come forth out of Egypt, and when the Chaldeans that besieged Jerusalem heard tidings of them, they departed from Jerusalem. Then came the word of the Lord and the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Thus shall ye say to the king of Judah, that sent you unto me to inquire of me, Behold, Pharaoh's army, which has come forth to help you, shall return to Egypt into their own land. And the Chaldeans shall come again and fight against the city, and take it and burn it with fire. Thus saith the Lord, Deceive not yourselves, saying, The Chaldeans shall surely depart from us, for they shall not depart. For though ye had smitten the whole army of the Chaldeans that fight against you, and there remained but wounded men among them, Yet should they rise up every man in his tent and burn this city with fire. And it came to pass, when the army of the Chaldeans was broken up from Jerusalem for fear of Pharaoh's army, Jeremiah went forth out of Jerusalem to go into the land of Benjamin to separate himself thence in the midst of the people. And when he was in the gate of Benjamin, a captain of the ward was there whose name was Erijah, the son of Shalmiah, the son of Hananiah, and he took Jeremiah the prophet, saying, Thou fallest away to the Chaldeans. In other words, you're a traitor. You're going to be with the Chaldeans. Then said Jeremiah, It is false. I shall not fall to the, to the Chaldeans. But he hearkened not to him. So I took Jeremiah and brought him to the prince, princes. <clears throat> Wherefore the princes were wroth with Jeremiah and smote him and put him in prison in the house of Jonathan the scribe, for they had made that the prison. When Jeremiah was entered into the dungeon and into the cabins, and Jeremiah had remained there many days, 
Then Zedekiah the king sent and took him out, and the king asked him secretly in his house and said, Is there any word from the Lord? Is there any word from the Lord? Notice this is Zedekiah. He hadn't done right either, but at least he had the wisdom to ask Jeremiah, is God going to say anything to us about this? And Jeremiah said, there is. For, said he, thou shalt be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. Moreover, Jeremiah said unto king Zedekiah, what have I offended against thee, or against thy servant, or against this people, that ye have put me in prison? Where are now your prophets, which prophesied unto you, saying, the king of Babylon shall not come against you, nor against this land? Therefore hear now, I pray thee, O my lord the king, let my supplication, I pray thee, be accepted for thee, that thou cause me not to return to the house of Jonathan the scribe, lest I die there. Then Zedekiah the king commanded that they should commit Jeremiah under the court of the prison, that they should give him daily a piece of bread out of the baker's street until all the bread in the city was spent. Then Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. Now, Jeremiah dared to speak the word of the Lord. Is there any word from the Lord? And I want to ask you tonight, is there any word from the Lord when all these storms come? The storm had come on Israel. The storm had come on Judah. And the king, Zedekiah, in his last days, had the nerve to say, Jeremiah, is there any word from the Lord? And I want to tell you tonight, there's a word from the Lord about all the storms we go through. For, for example, the storm of fear. Turn your Bible to Psalm, the book of Psalm, chapter 27, verses 1 and 2. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies, came upon my, my, uh, my enemies and my foes came upon me to eat my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Who will we fear when the Lord is in charge? You don't have to be afraid. Fear comes, and Franklin Roosevelt used to say, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Fear is a terrible icicle that gets its hands on our throat and on our life and snuffs out the spiritual authority and power. Difficulties come. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures so he could lead me in green pastures. He makes me to lie down. You know, sometimes I talk to somebody at the hospital and they're in sickness and they're lying in their bed. And I sometimes say, well, you know, the psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down so I can look up and he can lead me in green pastures and restore my soul. Financial problems come. Philippians 4.19, God says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Keep that in mind. Sometimes the wants we have are not needs. Individuals need to recognize that. Families need to recognize that. Churches need to recognize, schools need to know that. Our wants, are not always our needs. My God shall supply all your need according to riches and glory by Christ Jesus. 
Sometimes we have no strength. When God spoke to Moses, he said, Lord, who am I? And God said, that's beside the point. Instead of asking who you are, ask who I am. I am the great I am. And I'll take care of you. You go down there and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. He went down and faced the enemy and God did it. Well, there are a lot of strengths that come, a lot of weaknesses that come. I think of some of the enemies we have. Look in your Bible at Psalm 37, <clears throat> beginning in verse 1. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. <clears throat> the enemies you face, God said, don't fret about them. Don't worry about them. God will take care of them. And how about our failures? In Psalm 37, beginning verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed baking bread. Be not dismayed, God will take care of you. Our God is in charge. He's very much in charge. And we turn over to Matthew chapter 6. My time is up. I don't want to point you to that passage that talks about what we're to do when we worry. There's a song that says, why worry when you can pray? Trust Jesus, he'll be your stay. Why worry, 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 worry when you can pray? In Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, or yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his stature? Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? After all these things are the ethnos, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of them. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. When we worry, we worry so much of the time in vain. Cheer up, ye saints of God. There's nothing to worry about. Nothing to make you feel afraid, nothing to make you doubt. Remember, Jesus never fails, so why not trust him and shout? You'll be sorry you worried at all tomorrow morning. God will take care of you. 
God will take care of you. And then Jesus said, putting sort of a final touch on it, it was the night before the Calvary and he'd gathered his best friends together. He was talking to them about his cross, death, and there were tears. And Jesus began to say, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, everything's all right. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, you know, in the way you know, and Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I'm glad you asked that. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And listen, when you're on the board with, on the train with Jesus as the conductor, he's going to take care of you. Keep your eye upon the rail and your hand upon the throttle and keep your eyes on the goal toward heaven. It's going to be all right. Watch for the storms. They're coming. Maybe more severe than we've tasted before. But there is a word from the Lord. Is there any word from the Lord? Yes, indeed. There's a word for every discouragement, every trial, every fear, every failure. There's a word. All of us here tonight are destined to fail sometime. Maybe you've gone through some kind of failure in your own life and you feel defeated about it. What are you going to do about it? Take it to Jesus. He is a friend that's well known. Do the tears flow down your cheek unbidden? Tell it to Jesus. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, this simple message from the Word of God tonight. The storms are coming. Many storms have already come. We pray that the Holy Spirit of God will move in such a way that we'll hear what God says in the midst of the fierceness of the winds of the storm. And maybe look up and know that our Lord is in charge. Place our hand in that nail-scarred hand and go along with him until the storm passes by. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, please. Number 161, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the mortal portals, he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Will you come to him tonight? Come with your trials and your heartaches and your worries and your, your sins, your questions. Come. Maybe somebody here tonight who ought to move your membership to this church. Maybe somebody here tonight who has been saved but not been baptized. You may be here tonight and maybe a church member but never saved. Why don't you come to Jesus tonight? Come just like you are while we pray, while we sing. Brother Brian leads us in this great hymn. Will you come to Jesus?